Chapter Thirteen of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen in Sunny Salvador, Part One. One, a mule trail leads overland from Guatemala to Salvador, a rugged, boulder-strewn path that curls along mountain sides and fords rivers and scales precipitous cliffs a road such as only a mule could travel with security and comfort i crossed it in an automobile the chauffeur evidently a revolutionist keeping in practice at risking his life drove out of guatemala city with myself and another gringo passenger at four in the morning and raced through the black night with the shrieking klaxon characteristic of all latin american motor traffic past the sleeping suburbs and up the heights to the first narrow ledge there while the car still raced at full speed above a sheer drop of several hundred feet he removed both hands from the wheel to light a cigarette this was merely the beginning a protest from his american passengers would have delighted him and furnished barroom anecdotes for the next ten years wherefore shields a lean lank yankee salesman from the middle west smiled cheerfully as though he were having the time of his life and i followed his example the trail was not merely narrow but it squirmed and twisted following the scalloped contour of the mountainside the driver took the curves without use of a brake as a matter of fact he explained later the brakes did not work so we sped unchecked around and around the many bends until making a particularly abrupt turn we collided with an ox-cart this stopped us with a crash the ox-cart overturned a load of melons bound for the guatemalan market rolled down the slopes starting a small landslide the oxen bumped off the road pawed frantically for a foothold on the brush-grown decline the peon marketer glowered in sullen resentment our chauffeur lighted another cigarette climbed out to survey his twisted fender and his awry lamps produced a flask of cognac and took a comforting swig climbed back again to discover that his car would still run and drove away as fast as before the road grew steadily worse our seat springs were in the same condition as the brakes this scarcely mattered since we so seldom touched them but spent most of the journey somewhere midway between the seat and the awning contriving as a rule to miss the steel framework of the top but clinging to the sides lest we puncture the canvas above us our most difficult task was to maintain a cheerful dignified expression of countenance for the benefit of observers along the road dawn brought the entire population out to see us barefooted peons men women and children came racing across the fields at the shriek of our klaxon to obtain a closer view it was now three years since the first automobile had crossed this trail an achievement hailed at the time by marveling editorials in the local central american press and motor traffic was becoming a fairly regular thing but not so regular that the novelty had diminished in fact the chickens of the region had not yet learned to jump across the road in front of the car the other species of livestock were more apt however in acquiring the customs of civilization the dogs chased us with outraged yelps the cows always lying in the centre of the road lurched to their feet directly in our path 
horses and donkeys, convinced that we were after them, and were as apt to catch them in the woods as on the trail, stuck to the trail, and galloped ahead of us for mile after mile, without turning aside, while their indignant owners trotted behind us, hurling imprecations, and describing us as cattle rustlers. Boys, and occasionally grown men, took delight in standing loutishly in the centre of the street at each village, making faces at us to amuse their admiring friends, and leaping aside at our approach. If we stopped at one of the infrequent towns, as we usually did, in order that the chauffeur might again produce his cognac flask, the whole population surrounded us to stare. On such occasions, Shields would reach out and remove five cent pieces from the ears of the natives within reach of his arm, a diversion practiced with much amusement by Richard Harding Davis on his travels in Central America, with the result that the local police were frequently called upon for the return of the money discovered in local ears. These policemen took our names at each stopping place, a custom in vogue throughout both Guatemala and Salvador, whenever strangers make their appearance. But they allowed us to inscribe our own nomenclature, wherefore, should any list of distinguished tourists ever be published in these countries, the public will be amazed at the many world-famous notables who have made the overland journey. The policemen, unable to read, always bowed profoundly, and if we inquired of them where gasoline might be purchased, they would hop upon the running board and show us the way, bowing again for a two-cent tip. The road, having scaled the first mountain range, crossed a wide plateau. This was a cattle country. From time to time a cloud of dust appeared before us, indicating another drove of steers, and the chauffeur headed always for the exact centre of it, sometimes ploughing through without missing a steer, but usually dispersing the herd in all directions, whereupon native cowpunchers waved their arms and screamed curses and rode frantically away to round up their galloping protégés having crossed the plateau we came upon the worst roads of all the chauffeur gave his wheel a twist and we started up a river-bed where a frothing stream tumbled down over a succession of huge boulders no one but a latin american fortified with cognac could have driven a car up those rapids the water sprinkled us and blinded us but up we went the auto climbing from rock to rock much as a man might pull himself hand over hand up a steep embankment. One wheel would catch, down would jolt the other three wheels, the motor would roar, another wheel would catch, another roar, a lurch that made the teeth chatter, another roar, a few feet of progress, a few feet of sliding backward. Somehow we made it, leaving Guatemala behind, we raced through Salvador, around another series of cliffs, where the chauffeur kept looking backward to see whether we flinched, and at last down into the valleys of another fertile coffee country, just as night descended, and the askewness of our damaged lamps made driving still more difficult. Long trains of ox-carts returning from the Salvadorian markets loomed out of the blackness before us, but still we charged ahead, missing most of them, and arrived at eight o'clock, still breathing, though very much bruised, in Santa Ana, the second city of the Republic. 2. 
salvador is the smallest nation in central america but with the exception of costa rica the most progressive the railway train which carried me to the capital the next day was neat and clean and the coaches freshly painted by an artist who had covered the interior with bright colours and had traced designs of lilies and tulips wherever there was sufficient woodwork to permit of ornamentation as in guatemala the way led through a land of volcanoes wherewith salvador is so abundantly supplied that for some years she did not bother to construct lighthouses on her coast at a distance from the railway train one could count several of them some in mild eruption for miles we rode through a congealed river of metal a great stream that traced its way downward through the green of mount san salvador a tumbled river of black rock that had hardened into fantastic shapes while still foaming and boiling but already it had decomposed in places and islands of green jungle were appearing along its surface salvador like guatemala is mainly a coffee country it is not however a country of large estates but of small holdings patches of farmland cover every available space this is the most thickly populated republic not only in central america but in the entire hemisphere into its seven thousand two hundred and twenty five square miles were packed some one million five hundred thousand people as everywhere overcrowding by intensifying the struggle for existence had developed among the salvadorians an energy and industry greater than that of their neighbors hillsides that would have gone to waste in guatemala were ploughed here to the very summit villages ruined by the last volcanic eruption were springing up in all the valleys one looked upon the heavily populated landscape and wondered why some of the natives did not gravitate over into the next republic but the people of all these nations are like those of the balkans in their hatred of one another when i mentioned the subject to a salvadorian who shared my seat he muttered go to guatemala never people there are scoundrels which reminded me that guatemalans had already warned me against the salvadorians all of whom were said to be cutthroats and purse-snatchers it is this spirit of mutual distrust that has kept central america divided into five diminutive states there has been talk of union ever since they first gained independence from spain and mexico back in eighteen twenty one and eighteen twenty three but it has resulted only in a series of temporary combinations of two or three republics opposed by the other three or two and brought to an end through internal bickerings politicians in all the countries favour the present multiplicity of offices wherefore each little nation staggers under the burden of supporting a president and a congress and a complete diplomatic corps although the whole five could be lost in texas salvador the smallest is so tiny that from its centre one could sometimes look westward to the pacific ocean and eastward to the mountains of honduras three if salvador sometimes indulges in what the people of larger nations describe as comic opera it is normally peaceful it appeared so tranquil at the time of my visit that i was surprised to learn of its being under martial law oh that's easily explained said the gentleman who shared my seat 
our president alfonso quinones melina is a very excellent man but he has his enemies under martial law he can draft any one into the army as soon as an opponent criticizes him he makes him a general thus the critic becomes susceptible to military discipline and ventures no further criticism four a few hours of leisurely travel brought me to san salvador the capital of el salvador it was a warm sunny capital only a trifle over two thousand feet in altitude extremely low for a central american city its population numbered only some fifty or sixty thousand its people being of mestizo composition did not affect the barbaric raiment of the guatemalan indians the half-breed maidens wrapped themselves in filmy shawls of pink or blue but after the blazing verapes of the previous country these garments seemed colourless the city itself was somewhat drab a few of its structures were of the heavy masonry found elsewhere in central america and its governmental palace was imposing in its wealth of marble columns yet the city as a whole being another favourite objective of the local earthquakes was constructed mainly of wood and corrugated iron even to the cathedral which although painted to suggest stone was convincing only at a distance but it was a decidedly pleasant city with many parks and tinkling fountains pretty senoritas were abundant priests in black robes unrestricted by law in this country were to be seen everywhere men walked through the market-places ringing dinner-bells and carrying little boxes containing a tiny image of the virgin to whom one might bow for a penny horse-cars rattled through the streets with much crackling of the driver's whips there was music each night in the plaza and flirtation beneath the palm-trees the tropic air was balmy and soothing about the whole city there was an atmosphere of contentment and a touch of that fictional romance which the traveller craves five deciding to stay for a while i took lodgings at a cheap hotel opposite the presidential palace in all of these countries the homes of the wealthy and influential citizens even of the president are quite apt to be located between business offices or stores or even among slums because of the local habit which wealth frequently manifests of shrinking into concealment behind a plain exterior the magnificent homes are apt to be no more striking in outward appearance than their inglorious surroundings the palace a plain one-story building was recognizable as such only from the large guard of colonels and generals who lined its sidewalk and from the presence just across the way of the principal military barracks with protruding towers from which machine-guns could sweep the surrounding streets in case of insurrection my room had doors opening directly upon the avenue if i chanced to open them in the evening i caught a flash of eyes from one feminine stroller after another for this region despite its distinction was a favourite haunt of street-walkers somewhat numerous in salvador as a result of a preponderance of females a tropical climate and the difficulty of earning a living which always accompanies an excess of population from the opposite sidewalk the colonels and generals would smile and twirl their mustachios and the policeman on the corner would offer advice that's a good one i know her myself for variety there was an occasional religious procession the passe de la virgen 
in certain times in the year the priests at the many churches would send out the image of the virgin to make a tour of the city spending a night at the home of each parishioner who chose to receive her every evening a long parade of women would pass my hotel marching very slowly each holding aloft a lighted candle and chanting in a shrill strained voice one night out of curiosity i followed them it was strangely impressive the winding procession of solemn women intent upon the image before them singing a weird hymn that rose and fell and echoed through the silent streets the candles flaming aloft as though this were all a great stream of fire creeping very slowly through the heart of the city the family that was to receive the image came to meet us also bearing candles and led us to the house where in one corner of the parlor a great stage had been constructed and decked with palms the head of the family seeing a foreigner in the crowd hastened to welcome me you honor my household senor come early to-morrow night and i shall let you carry the virgin they bore her reverently into the house and placed her upon the improvised altar for several minutes they stood before her and the chant reverberated throughout the room vastly impressive then as though to shatter the whole effect some woman shrieked in a loud voice who's the cause of such great joy and happiness from the crowd the answer came in a mighty roar profanely like a college yell the virgin mary they trooped noisily into the street all was over the solemnity was gone as i came out several of the girls so intent before upon their hymn favored me with a flash of eyes i recognized them as those who regularly passed my hotel door six the central american like the mexican is both an idealist and a materialist he sees no inconsistency in being both devoutly religious and frankly immoral he is quite apt to use the name of his favorite saint as a fitting title for his gin-mill he employs it as a harmless ejaculation he may even resort to it for emphasis as in the case of an advertisement i recall which endorsed a charlie chaplin moving picture with the phrases is it funny jesus joseph and mary and among the lower classes he is quite apt to regard any religious holiday as a fitting excuse for overindulgence in liquor it is frequently charged throughout these countries that the great waves of illegitimacy follow the principal church processionals which fact is not a reflection upon the church but upon the inability of the peons to associate the ideas of religion and personal behaviour in fact the common people see nothing essentially wrong or even unusual in illegitimacy itself in nicaragua the newspapers in publishing a list of births distinguish each new citizen with the candid legitimo or illegitimo and the latter outnumber the former by two or three to one a ratio which holds good for all these countries it must not be assumed from these statements however that all central america is a hotbed of immorality in discussing any moral question a writer must indicate which social class he has in mind in any of these countries there is a distinct division between the aristocrat and the peon in aristocratic circles a man has every privilege and a woman none it is assumed in latin fashion that boys will be boys 
lest girls be girls their virtue is assured by a close chaperonage a man of wealth may keep several establishments in town besides his regular home if bound upon a journey he may take with him some other lady in order that his wife may be spared the discomforts of travel the wife remains a model of propriety here prevails the double standard in peon circles both sexes share something more of equality they mate usually without the formality of marriage should they prefer to change partners from time to time they do it casually yet this is the exception rather than the rule in some cases a woman objects to any ceremony preferring to remain free of ties so that in case her new spouse proves a drunkard or a wife-beater she can leave him for there is no divorce in most of these countries in some cases they would prefer the marriage ritual but cannot afford it and in most cases although free to change partners they remain faithful throughout life women in this class so long as they have a consort are apt to be as loyal as the women of the upper classes illegitimate children consequently are more a result of these informal unions than of a general promiscuity yet promiscuity is not unknown the peon girl without a partner is the daughter of a rather sensuous race and of a race that is not inclined to work when an easier living is to be obtained in this land of tolerance little stigma attaches itself to her or to her children if she takes up prostitution as a career in most latin american countries she is restricted to a certain segregated district but she is recognized by the police as a legal and useful member of the community the gente decente or decent people as the aristocrats describe themselves may not invite her to their homes but the gentlemen may sometimes call at hers if in san salvador she chooses to ply her trade before the presidential palace what matters it she does not molest the president and if she chooses also to join a religious procession and return immediately to her profession the central american sees nothing inconsistent therein what has religion to do with one's personal affairs End of chapter thirteen part one